Hello, food enthusiasts, and welcome to this issue of the Future Foodcast. I'm Pam Line Miller, your host. And as usual, we are interviewing thought leaders and forward thinkers in the food space. And we have a great one with us today. We have with us the CEO of Soylent, Demir Vangelo. Welcome to the podcast, Demir. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. Yeah, we are so excited to hear all about Soylent. And I have to admit that I was unfamiliar with Soylent before researching for this podcast. So please tell us just a little bit about the company and where you are in the life of Soylent. For sure. Soylent started in 2013, and uh, we think we're the original food tech company. We started producing powder, which provided complete nutrition to, I would say, more of a technology enthusiasts and people who are interested in food technology. And since then, we have evolved uh, to really produce beverages, bars, in addition to powders. And uh, as of today, I think we are the largest independent meal replacement uh, beverage out there. We're also one of the largest plant-based protein shakes as well in the United States. Wow, that's saying quite a bit. And I miss the technology piece because we love technology here at the Future Foodcast. And I, I would love to know how you're classifying yourself as a technology company. Let us know why you say that because you have some specialized processes that you go through. Absolutely. Making complete nutrition is not easy and making a healthy complete nutrition is even harder. And then if you take that concept and try to put it into a shelf-stable bottle as a beverage, that is even more and more and more complicated. So for us, uh, the way we think of ourselves is we use technology not only to design the product and create it, but we also use pretty advanced technology to be able to create great tests taste in a shape-stable format. Yeah, you know, taste is really important. We consumers are pretty finicky. And a lot of times when you look, when you talk about a really nutritious product, a lot of people think, oh, that can't taste good. So how do you, how do you address that? How do you achieve the good taste piece of that? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I've been in the plant-based industry for a long period of time, and uh, I think over the years, technology has improved. Uh, and over the years, uh, we have been able to work on different ways uh, to create flavor systems that are on par, or in our case, our consumers tell us are better than milk and sugar. And uh, that takes time and effort. I would say six, seven years ago, it was hard to really work with protein-heavy beverages and make them taste good. And uh, so some consumers have, have some notion of, hey, if it's good for you, maybe doesn't taste as great and over the years we've been continuously improving our product and our latest iteration which was two years ago we actually completely revamped our products and as part of that we lowered the sugar we improved the taste and we actually improved the digestibility and the sugar characteristics of the product so it's a constant improvement project and you just you're just never there um, but we feel pretty good that we don't look ourselves as an alternative to say a animal-based protein beverage but we're looking at it as it's just a different product that has different ingredients that gets to the same place. Right. And the nutrition, like you were saying, that is really your focus. You're, you are trying to get the most nutrition with good taste out there. But I think you told me you have a lot of your loyal clients that like that original flavor without any kind of additional flavors in it, just like, I guess, the base 
flavor is what I want to say. That's correct. That's yeah. correct. And I think there is, we serve a variety of consumer needs. One of the needs that we serve well is uh, we don't add anything in our product that is not necessary to be there. And sometimes people prefer flavors, but for some people, flavor is actually hard to digest, hard to think through, or hard to even take. So what we do is we essentially offer your good plain old soy protein flavor that people like and they also they don't feel like the product is actually disagreeing with them by adding a flavor or chocolate or something else which sometimes for consumers could be a challenge right well because you do have a section of your market that is that specialized i would say maybe that that customer who does have some medical issues or some digestive issues and they don't want those even the flavor ingredient even though it might come from a natural source they really want to stay as pure as possible, right? Absolutely, Pam. And so what happens is cons there is a big portion of the population that struggles with all kinds of digestive issues. Some of them are just how we consume food. So some people cannot chew food. Some people cannot eat green leafy vegetables. Some people have actual digestive issues where many foods disagree with them or many ingredients disagree with them. So for us, we have designed a product which has everything that your body needs, but it's in a package and is designed in a way that it's actually not offensive to your stomach or it's or it's easier to to digest and, and work through and one of the biggest examples is for example uh, we have one of the lowest glycemic indexes of any beverage out there we are actually even lower than some diabetic beverages and what that does is it doesn't spike your sugar in your blood after you you eat soybean and it happens with every food your sugar spikes a little bit but for especially for diabetics or people who have some kind of glucose issue uh, it's very important to maintain that steady state and we've designed a product that actually does not spike your sugar and it provides you with that consistent kind of energy level over a period of time without uh, any kind of stress on your body so that would be one example where we serve a community of folks that are not good at dealing with high sugar uh, intake and unfortunately in many products including plant-based products sugar is what make it what makes it taste good so we've been able to provide the sweetness and we've been able to provide a good taste uh, without all the downsides well and that's an amazing accomplishment you know a consumer trends even consumers that don't have particular issues where they're having to avoid certain things or, or maybe they've got sugar issues in their body like you mentioned diabetics and other people that want to watch their glucose some of us just want that clean label. We want to know that there's not anything in there that doesn't have to be in there. And it's still good for us. And it still tastes good. And it's not going to impact our blood sugar, like a lot of other choices that we could make in this same category do. I mean, you have you have some trends out there that you're really matching right now. Um, even us normal people, I'll say normal without an overriding reason. That's right. To your product. And that's where it gets hard. It is very hard to make a good tasting beverage, which is good for you. Yeah. It is also very hard to convince folks to stick with a certain diet or a certain regimen or something. And I think that's where in the United States, we do have an epidemic of obesity. We have something like 40% of US adults are obese. And the, there are a couple of things that contribute to that. One of them is just bad nutrition. Uh, in the United States, we don't have issues with access to calories, but we do have issues with access to good, healthy nutrition. In the rest of the world, people have access, have trouble accessing calories as well uh, as nutrition. But in the United States, what we're finding is that it's easy to find cheap food, which is 95% empty calories, which in the longer term is just not good for your body. The other thing that we're discovering is that even when people want to seek out 
uh, good nutrition or healthy nutrition, they experience what we call these food voids or food deserts, where they have to drive for miles and miles to get to, say, a grocery store that has clean and good nutrition or vegetables or things that are good for you. And in many cases, many folks, number one, don't have the time because they're working one or two or three jobs, or they don't have the, the, the ways of getting to those places where they can find good nutrition. So they default to fast food, to junk food, to just bad things and bad choices, not because sometimes even they're choosing it, but just where they live or how they live or the pressures of just daily life that are preventing them from accessing that. So that's where we try to, to play our role and we're trying to show one of the ways how nutrition can be brought to people who otherwise don't have access to it because we're shelf stable we are good for you it's easy to get to and we try to maintain a very competitive price right so we're we always try to push the price as low as we can to be able to um to bring that affordability and good nutrition to folks that otherwise cannot get it yeah and i know that's one of the missions of your company is that make make it available not just to a select few who might be able to afford it, who live in centers of population where the availability is higher. To that point, you've been able to, I know the availability of things and getting product out to people is a real challenge with what's happening these days with the supply chain and the pandemic. Maybe we can talk about a couple of those issues and how Soylent has navigated that landscape, Demir. It's been very challenging. I think all companies have struggled. And I think there's there's two main issues. I think some companies have been hamstrung but by lack of ingredients. So a lot of companies import ingredients from overseas, whether it's China or somewhere else. And we have all heard about challenges in international shipping and deliveries. We have not been a, we have not been hurt by that because all of our ingredients come from the United States. Okay. And uh, so we from that perspective, we were not impacted. We were impacted by labor issues, we were impacted by shortages in terms of whether it's trucking or manufacturing facilities and things like that, that have impacted just about any manufacturer in the United States as well. But we have been able to maintain in-stock levels throughout the pandemic. The one thing that that we are also very proud of is that we're probably one of the very few brands out there that have not shorted any of our retail partners during this whole period of time. So for us, it's been very important to continue to maintain that footprint and continue to maintain a supply chain uh, that protects our consumers and obviously protects us as a company. And then and obviously the cost, and you alluded to that, we're all suffering from it. I think all of us are are being impacted. We're seeing costs starting to stabilize, I would say, in late 2022, but it's stabilizing at a much higher level than it used to be. So for us, it's been a very challenging time where we have not yet raised our prices in retail. Wow. So we've been able to maintain to a large degree the same cost because we're trying to to really optimize our backend supply chain and our backend processes to be able to maintain that low price at show. Okay. Well, that's quite an achievement uh, to be able to, number one, I heard you say a couple things. You haven't shorted any orders for your retail partners. And I think that's a really big deal because that has been a challenge. Any of us will attest to the fact that when we go to purchase things, sometimes the shelves are empty and, you know, it's it's a problem of the, the shipment didn't come in or they can't fulfill the order, whatever it might be. But, but you uh, did very well during the pandemic with the online piece of it, right? And that's right. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and I then, think that helps. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it does because you've got that loyal customer base, right? That's used to doing that online ordering. And now you're looking to expand more into retail. 
Absolutely. So we, we started as a direct-to-consumer brand. Today, most of our business comes via online ordering, whether it's Amazon or Soyan.com. Soyan.com is by far our largest channel. Uh, and we're finding that consumers like to stick with us. We have more than 75% of our revenue comes on subscription and consumers are loyal. They like what they're getting. Uh, we've been able to establish a supply chain that's very reliable, right? So every month or every 15 days, you get your Soylent and uh, you don't have to think about it. You don't have to worry about it. Uh, we have also been able to maintain free shipping after oh, wow. a certain amount. So we've been able to do that and uh, and consumers like that. And I yeah. think one thing about nutrition is this constant repeatability of the experience, right? And people who maintain healthy weight and healthy just body overall, what they do is they do it not because they go on a diet and then they improve something and they go off it. They maintain that healthy weight and then healthy body because they're consistent in their nutrition and their nutrition is good. And that's the way to go about it, in our opinion. Well, I think I think going back to that earlier conversation about the reasons why consumer might choose your product in the first place, and we're talking about lifestyle, you know, maybe they want to consume things that are better for them nutritionally and replace some of those empty calories. Uh, maybe they're trying to work out a little bit more. You know, after the pandemic, a lot of people gained weight that they don't necessarily want. And it's not right. a normal part <laughs> of, of who they are. So they want to get back to that, but then they try your product and the taste is good. So you kind of get that, that habit. I think the subscription is very helpful because that helps people stay on track with making that lifestyle change. And maybe they're just making it a part of their day. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a breakfast for them. Maybe it's a snack that's healthier than something else they might choose that would be high in oil or salt or other mm -hmm. things that aren't as good for them. And, you know, you're, you're benefiting from that and, and having them uh, in a healthier cycle. I think that's a positive all the way around. We uh, believe so. We yeah. absolutely believe so. Plus you're maintaining free shipping. If you buy above a certain amount, I don't know a lot of companies that are doing that right now because the costs have gone up so much. And I know you, you may hit a point where you can't, but it sounds like you really have your cons customers in mind as you're making these business decisions and really trying to serve them as best you can by making changes on the back end to benefit them. Absolutely. And yeah. uh, so we, our, all of our decisions are guided by four principles. We're, we try to provide complete nutrition. We're driven by innovation. We focus on sustainability and affordability. And uh, affordability has always been a pillar of ours. And I think it's become even more so important uh, with inflation and cost increases and all that, that everybody's experiencing. So for us, it's always uh, this constant challenge on how much can we cut from our own supply chain and from our own doing to really be able to maintain a competitive price. I mean, we are by far the cheapest complete nutrition powder out there. Okay. And uh, and we're trying to do the same thing with beverages. It's a little bit harder to do when you do plant-based beverages, mm -hmm. just because manufacturing is very complex and ingredients are very complex. Mm -hmm. um, but we've been able to compete very well on price, even with animal-based protein beverages as well. So uh, we will continue to to do our part to work on that. Well, and I think I think that goes back to one of the four pillars, which is the innovation piece. You're always trying to innovate to improve how you're doing things and and how that affects your customer. Absolutely. I mean, any company in the world has to innovate. Uh, you can only you can only do that much with the same product. There is some products that probably never lose a appeal. Um, what we find is that with beverages, people do like variety and people do like different experiences. Yeah. And uh, mm -hmm. one of the key for um, people to stick with good nutrition is variety. You can only drink that many vanilla shakes or that many chocolate shakes, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so for us, uh, we're always trying new new 
flavors. We try them sometimes as a limited time offer. So we just launched the gingerbread uh, flavor, oh, I was gonna ask which is delicious. <laughs> what the latest flavor was. Gingerbread sounds perfect for this time of year. Exactly. So we're going to launch that in the winter and see how people uh, like it or not. Uh, we're also launched Cafe Latte. I think oh. we're trying that category where people are combining caffeine and coffee experiences with okay. a nutrition shake. Um, so that we just launched that in September as well on a limited time basis just to see how people respond to that. And we're just continuing to constantly bring in new flavors. We're working on new beverages. And the idea here is number one is to give people more opportunities to stick with a good diet and to stick with good nutrition, but also work and work with our consumers to provide them with new occasions and consumption occasions where they may not have done it before, which again, helps them be healthy and help them maintain good nutrition. That whole experience piece, I, I don't think that can be underestimated. People do experience their, their food and drink. And so the fact that you're focused on the occasion, you know, and trying to get people to try new things and giving them variety, I think that's a really important piece of, of what you're doing there. But one other thing, I don't know that you can actually talk about it, but you, you, ha you also are having some clinical trials going on, you know, from the medical side to actually solidify so you can make some claims about the nutritional benefits and lack of gastrointestinal challenges that are having. So, so you are approaching things from that side of it too. And when that information is released, I think that'll be good solid facts for the medical community to be able to make some good decisions as well. Absolutely. And uh, I mean, I think nutrition is kind of moving in a couple of directions. I think we're all understanding better what good nutrition means. And we're all understanding better what good consumption pattern is. Mm -hmm. um, I think the next step that we're going to see is uh, a trend on something like food is medicine. And how does food help you even overcome obstacles in your health or even get away from disease because you can eat well or, or you can recover well. And I mean, there are some extreme examples where we have worked with UCLA. We're studying recovery in uh, chemotherapy patients mm -hmm. and we're seeing very good results there. And we're hoping that something will be published. It's a peer peer reviewed study will be published probably by the end of this year or very early next year, uh, which is showing very promising results. And then the other thing that we're doing, and we actually believe as a company is that one solution is not the solution for every consumer out there. And I think the people who have been able successfully to maintain healthy weight or healthy lifestyle are the ones that are smart about it and the ones that incorporate a number of factors into into their lifestyle to be to be healthy one of them is nutrition of course but you also cannot live off one thing so people who we consume soy and that's probably our biggest group of consumers it's more like a lifestyle choice so they would have a big steak dinner and maybe the next morning they feel a little bit heavy and they need to compensate they may need to work out so they'll have a soy in the morning maybe salad at lunch and then go back to their healthy routine and we promote that because variety uh, is important and the other thing that we also understand is people have a relationship with their food, right? They're not going to sit down for, for dinner on Soylent. They will not. And we know that. But Soylent plays a very important role in their overall nutrition. And the way we measure nutrition is over the course of a week or course of a month. And that's where we try to educate consumers about what does good nutrition mean? What are good calories? What are the things that your body needs to be, to be healthy, right? And sometimes people say, well, I don't need that or I don't need that. What we're saying is your body needs all of those things in the right proportion. And you have the tools and Soylent is one of those tools that helps you get there. 
Yeah, that education arm is is so important. I think if you can reach the consumers with some of that good nutrition education, because they're hungry for it, and ignorance is not an excuse. You know, we need to help everybody understand. And as the new generations are getting older, we need to help them understand what good nutrition looks like. One of the other pillars that you talked about was sustainability, Demir. And, you know, we are concerned about how we're going to provide good nutritional products for our population as we move forward. So what does the sourcing of your products look like in the soy that you use, I'm assuming is a main ingredient, hence your company name, but what does the sourcing of your product look like? Yes, so we are 100% uh, US sourced and uh, all of our organic comes from the United States. And uh, the one thing that uh, we have made very careful choices about is our protein. And uh, there's many, many sources of protein. It could be animal protein, whether it's whey or something else. It could be pea and rice and and whatnot. The one thing that we always look for is number one, is this protein complete, right? So animal protein is complete. It provides you all the amino acids in the right amounts for your body to recover and be healthy. Pea protein, for example, is not complete. It has a score of about 86 or so. So when you build a beverage or you build a product with pea protein, you need to supplement it, whether it's with rice or other uh, sources of protein to make it complete. Soy is the only complete protein out there that's on par with animal protein. So for us, when we were discussing, we started actually started, here's a fun fact, we started with rice protein and then we moved to soy protein afterwards. But the reason for us to use soy protein is number one, it's, it's widely available, it's complete, and we can control our own supply chain. So if you look at sustainability fact, any kind of animal protein loses out against plant protein, right? In terms of sustainability, impact on the environment and all of that. And that science is well-developed. And I think people start to understand that. And then what we've done is we've moved one step further. So how do we make even plant proteins even more sustainable? And one of the ways is to use soy. And the other way is we are actually partnered up uh, with the U.S. Soy Board to create a uh, U.S. sustainable soy mark, uh, which improves even on the soy soy farming and and produces a, a protein that has even less impact on the environment. And for example, because we're using that US supply chain, which we can control, we can inspect, we can audit, uh, what we're seeing is that we're, we're seeing about 25% reduction in soil erosion. We're seeing 10% improvement in energy efficiency. Uh, we're seeing total green gas emissions down by 10%. And we're also improving the impact on the land. As you know, Every time you, you plant a crop, there is a, a huge amount of land erosion, which farmers always struggle with. Well, by using soy, it's actually a regenerative plant. So it actually helps with soil, soil, soil erosion and improves the soil for the next crop. So we have really doubled down on the impact, not only by being a plant-based company, but we want to take that even further and have even bigger impact from the types of soy that we use and how we can control that. Thanks for that explanation, because I- I think our listeners probably just learned a lot about the sourcing of soy and different types of protein sources and the complete versus not. I wasn't aware that soy was the only complete non-animal protein. That's an important fact, I think, as people are looking at how they want to supplement their nutrition and their current diets and make changes moving forward. So thanks for bringing that forward. Wow, we have covered so many things here. Uh, But Demir, what else would you like to tell our future Foodcast audience before we go today? Is there anything we, we haven't covered that you'd like to share with them or 
some message you'd like to leave with them? Absolutely. I mean, I think we're not just a company that makes products. We're a company that is mission driven and uh, we're on this path of showing one way on how to feed the world. And uh, I think with all the geopolitical challenges that we're experiencing today, and uh, there will be a lot of nutrition and food challenges across the world as a result of what's happening in Europe. And one of the things that we always worry about is how do we feed 10 billion people by year 2050? And uh, I think the governments and, and consumers and companies in general are probably not doing enough for us to have a sustainable and healthy food system 20, 30 years from now. And the challenges will become harder because even today, if we all move to organic agriculture, we will need probably another earth to be able to feed the world. Well, we don't have another one. So then how do we design the food system in a way that also preserves some of these trends and some of these things, but also allows for nutrition that is healthy, not just calories, mm -hmm. to feed 10 billion people. And I think by using by using plant-based proteins, by using better proteins, by using better agriculture, and by worrying about all these things, but also by creating products that are engineered and designed to meet nutritional needs uh, versus just products that are natural, as you would say, I think we are showing one of the ways where we can meet those two challenges. And mm -hmm. for us, it's very important to continue to think about it and to continue to work with other companies and governments and organizations where we are very, very focused on not just creating a product today, but also how do we design the food system of the future to be able to feed the world. Wow. And I think I, I'm so excited to have people like you at the helm of Soylent and companies like Soylent that are really with an eye on making a difference and having a positive impact on how we feed the world moving forward. I really appreciate you being with us today, Demir. Thank you so much. Thank you, Pam. Great being here. Thanks for listening to Future Foodcasts. Future Foodcast is powered by Farm to Plate, the leading food blockchain platform. Subscribe on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to stay up to date with the very latest innovations in the food industry.